Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is a uh, nice Sunday to be back talking ball, man. Not for me. The Falcons had one of the worst worst opening games in a, in a long time. Um, I, feel, I feel for people who are big-time college fans that are also Falcons fans. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like it's so much of my timeline, you know, being a Georgia fan. It's like, you see a lot of Georgia stuff on Saturday, and then... It's like just Falcons misery on Sunday. It's like I feel for them because it's like nothing can ruin my weekend after like a good win on Saturday. And then you just it's the Falcons just fan base is just so depressing to be a part of. And I just like ah can't relate. Whatever the Falcons are doing, like I'm entertained by my red zone uh, viewing on Sunday. Like Falcons, they can't they can't shake my mood for a second. I had to go immediately do my run and exercise, so I feel better now. If we had done the pod not too long after the Falcons drubbing at the hands of Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and that vicious front seven and just the the unbelievably bad offensive line for the Falcons and just how bad Matt Ryan was and how bad every like it, it was just everything that could have been a disaster was a disaster in this game, Matt. But that that is for tomorrow's pod. That's the NFL the NFL pod, and this is a college football podcast that we're doing on this very Sunday. Matt Green. Real football, college football. Oh yeah, real, real, real fun stuff. Um, I'm just. It, this it seems like, to be like a like um, like a low key rivalry with like people who prefer NFL versus people who prefer college. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, see, I saw stuff on Twitter just like uh, on Thursday. Like oh, imagine imagine thinking college football yeah. is better. And then people like, do that on Saturday. They're like, imagine. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just your preference, man. Like, Why do people get so worked up about that? Why do people still police what other people enjoy? Your like, why preference are we... is wrong. My yeah. preference is better. I hate I it know. so much. Like, it, it drives me nuts. Even within family and friends, people, I'm like, why do you care? Why? Why? What? Like, just like what you like and don't like what you don't like. And also, everything doesn't have to be rated. Like, I don't have to compare the NFL to the college game. I don't care. Like, I like them. I don't have to compare high school to that. It's all very different. I like them for very different reasons, too. And I don't know. I don't have to explain myself as to why I prefer. But I do think it's very, uh, it's, it's a bad look to publicly just be like, how could you not like my thing as much as me? Like, that is a, a weird immature silly perspective to to put out into the the atmosphere and people do that every day on twitter.com it's very very stupid so i would encourage you if you're one of those folks who pick up your cell phone and you're like hmm look at this awesome uh this awesome ending to jacksonville state florida state couldn't imagine loving the nfl more than this college game put the phone down who cares like just enjoy the moment and uh you know move on yeah move on with your day. It, it is it that specific example i feel mm. like is one of those things that i feel like i think makes college football great i feel like just those crazy endings like we I see them occasionally like that that dolphins patriots like lateral play a few mm. years ago but it doesn't seem like we get like those crazy endings in the nfl like we do in college but like i, Matt, I got to see a like, kick six in real time yesterday I never yeah. thought I would get to see a kick six in my life. And it was overturned because, we'll get into this, but the officiating in Pitt, Tennessee, was an objective failure 
across mm-hmm. all counts. Like, it was an objective failure. Like, there was no block in the back on that return. It was ridiculous. But the crowd, when he makes his move back across the field, and, you like, it, it's not Auburn, Alabama, obviously, but, like, it was exhilarating. It was your Auburn, Alabama. Huh? It was your Auburn. It was my Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> the Johnny Majors Classic. People are starting to wonder, is this the new Iron Bowl? And, you know, people are talking. <laughs> and... It's a it's possibility. Let's make it an every year thing. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know if they've planned on that yet, but like, I would love to have Virginia Tech and Pitt be an every year thing. Why not? Virginia Tech, I'm all on board for that. Like, once once I learned how how close Virginia Tech and Tennessee are, like that, like Georgia Clemson, how mm-hmm. like that's trying to bring that back. Like, they need to play like a couple times, you know, every few years. Like, I was. Like, maybe not do it in a NASCAR stadium every time. We'll do that, like, every five years or something. Put it in Bristol every five or something like that to make it special every now and then. But I feel like just seeing, like, the view from the crowd, like, obviously I wasn't there, but seeing, like, the view from the crowd, it looked like the field is just so far away. Oh, yeah, no, they couldn't see anything. My uncle was there. They couldn't see a thing. Yeah. I saw a stat recently. I don't know if you're a big NASCAR guy. I don't know if stat is the right way to put Mm. it. Big Chase Elliott showed, guy over here. It showed Talladega can fit all 14 SEC stadiums inside the infield. Is that is that accurate? I saw, like, a map of it. <laughs> like, is that stadium, is that place really that huge? I mean, if it the maps don't lie, right? I saw a graphic. I saw a graphic on mm. Twitter. It has to be true. That's true. Graphics on Twitter are rarely inaccurate. <laughs> there you go. Everything on the internet is accurate. So. Well, especially Twitter.com. Most things are accurate on Twitter.com. Twitter.com is real life. I think I've heard people say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Matt, don't forget, folks, that we can follow Matt on Matt underscore W underscore Green on Twitter.com. Go check him out there. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com to get access to all my previous episodes of this very podcast. Subscribe to the newsletter at SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. Support us on Patreon today by going to Patreon.com slash ChaseThomasWriter and if you like listening to Matt and myself, uh, definitely leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you're an Apple Podcast listener. But uh, yeah, there, we have some games to get through, Matt Green. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, didn't didn't play back the episode from earlier this week to, to remember how I did on picks, but... I know I beat you this week. My gut instinct is that mm. I rebounded without looking. Is that, is that what your gut instinct tells you? I think I did, right? You did would I, be incorrect. Would I be incorrect? You, yeah, you did better against the spread, mm. but um, I beat you against the spread. Wait, anyway. calm down. Hold on. Just off the top of my head. I know I missed Iowa State. I I called ECU. Like that game ending the way it did. Saw that coming a mile away. I went through. No, that's how you were wrong on that one. Well, I mean, I was still. They were in the game. It was close. <laughs> Irrelevant. Um, Pitt, Tennessee, fandom blinds us all. Um, App State called. Called App State. App Keeping State, it... you were on point too because you picked Miami to get the win, but App State to cover. Uh, to cover. So that was that was one of your your good picks. Your nonsense was Zeus screwed my home dog of the week. So NC State, like Zeus, what? Told he, you, man, take it to the bank. Zeus is home dog of the week. He put a hex on Dennis uh, on Devin Leary and the NC State Wolfpack. Dave Doran could not recover from the Zeus magic um, that he he the Zeus magic mm-hmm, that he constructed or he can. What is the word um, when you the hocus pocus is right on the corner? We're in spooky season. Um, 
now with fall coming in but uh what is what is it um when you're you're it's not it starts with a c when you're you're putting a bunch of conjured conjured that is the word yes conjured (laughs) he conjured up some some devil magic and uh place it against the wolf pack you don't put that devil magic on zeus all right (laughs) but yeah and then san diego state i feel like i i nailed that one too and byu yeah and byu you did, yeah. You got all your wins. You, uh, you it's missed, just the spread. You some yeah, you missed some. We can get into. Well, let's it. run through it. Let's. How do we do this weekend, Matt Green? So uh, overall, you were five and six uh, overall, and you were five and six against the spread. I was eight and three overall, and seven and four against the spread. Mm. So uh, yeah, we both missed Ohio State. Uh, we both missed Texas. Um. We both got Michigan. We both got Kentucky, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it was a it was a good week. You had Iowa State. I had Iowa. I took Pitt. You took the uh, your the hometown Vols. So. Mm. It was um, you know, just take my picks to the bank with you. You know, it's it's, it's what you got to do. So where are we at to the season to this point? What is our current record? So right now, overall, I am sixteen and seven on the season, but against the spread, I'm eleven, eleven and one. Mm. Overall, you are ten and thirteen, Oof. and against the spread, you're nine, thirteen and one. Oh man, so, still a lot of time left. Below the Mendoza line, I don't like that through two weeks. Yeah, I gotta get back above five hundred. Mm. Well, let's get into to the games from this weekend. Let's start with the game of the week: Iowa, Iowa State, where Brock Purdy. I think he just threw another interception as we were recording. Um, I knew immediately, too. This is one of those games I was watching it with my uncle, one of my buddies here in Knoxville. And it was just like, oh, this is over. Like, it, Iowa has a way of, like, clinching a win when it's, like, 20 to 10. And you're like, oh, they just, they've they've played Iowa football to a T, and you're not getting out of, out of their grasp. Like, they're just slowly clinching you into submission and... That is what happened to this Iowa State group. And Matt Campbell's faces were not not the best. And Brees Hall, bad fumbles. And this was like everything that could have gone wrong in this game went wrong. But Matt, I feel like you you smile a little bit because Iowa State not only goes down and you picked Iowa, but they go down in those black uniforms that you hate. Yes. Yes, man. Like I, I told my brother, like, I texted him that morning because I saw you could see the helmet on game day. Mm. Oh, side note. Mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher was great on College Game Day. I don't know if you watched it. I did not. The week before, did you watch it the week before with that country guy, Kane Brown, on there? Dude looked either, like, stoned or drunk <laughs> and, like, didn't know anything about college football. Like, he said multiple times, like, oh, I should have done more research. Like, Ashton Kutcher was, like, someone who was, I guess, at least used to being on TV and, like, mm-hmm. clearly was a college football fan. Like, just gave, like, some actual, like, you know, low key analysis, like, oh, they did this last week, so I'm picking them, you know, and it was just so much better. I hope Game Day learned something from like Ashton Kutcher being on there. Like someone who's just like, I don't know, just it was just a much better uh product this week. Did he um, drop a damn Jackie, I can't control the weather? <laughs> that was that was a classic lie. But him and Corso are going back and forth, like it was it was good stuff. But but yeah, I text my brother that morning because I'm just like, what are the odds that Iowa State is going to come out rocking black and white uniforms? That you know, like every big game they wear black and white. Like this school is burgundy and gold. Like, <laughs> why even have why even have school colors if every big game you're just going to wear the the black and white? Like it's so dumb to me. But um, 
but yeah, Iowa, I was just so impressed with Iowa. Like you said, this is just Iowa football. Like mm-hmm. they just won a, they just won in a, essentially a blowout. Like Iowa state made it, you know, 27, 17 by the end, but Iowa was so in control this game with 173 yards of offense. Like, did almost nothing offensively, but, you know, through two weeks, like, this defense has forced seven turnovers, scored three touchdowns. Like, I, I was really impressed with uh, the, the AP poll that came out today. Like, I feel like uh, it seems like we're getting more and more into, like, not not projecting necessarily, but, like, ranking the teams based on what they've accomplished. And I, I like seeing, you know, Oregon jump up to number four. Iowa jump into number five. Like, Iowa, resume-wise, like, they've been one of the most impressive teams so far. Like, Indiana, we still don't know exactly how good Indiana is, but that was just a dominant win. And then Iowa State, a, a road win over a top-ten team and, like, a big rivalry atmosphere like that. Like, I, I like seeing Iowa jump in the, into the top five. I think they're definitely deserving. Mm. Uh, absolutely i mean iowa is like are we preparing ourselves for for iowa big 10 champs hey i mean with how they play defense and run the ball like i mean the, if a team is going to beat ohio state like you've seen like you're gonna mm-hmm. have to do it with offense like like we saw yesterday but i mean oregon, oregon just did it without a quarterback that's the thing is like if you're worried about spencer petrus it's like well i mean anthony brown was a, a nothing burger yesterday and it was all C.J. Vardell and everything else, but it wasn't the quarterback play that got Oregon that victory over Well, it wasn't Ohio the State. passing. Yeah, that's what I'm I saying, mean, he yeah. Did, he did play, you know, he makes plays with his legs. And, right. And, you know, in the college game, you don't necessarily have to just have a guy to just sit back there and pick the defense apart. Like, he definitely played a played a great game, but... As a Georgia I fan, just, you would know all about that. <laughs> I just, I feel like Ohio State, like, I'm really concerned about their defense. Like through mm-hmm. through two games now that they're giving up like 35 points a game, like what is it, like 235 rushing yards per game they're allowing. And granted, those could be the two best rushing teams on their entire schedule in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Well, Minnesota when they had uh, a healthy Mo Ibrahim and then Oregon's rushing attack, just like they were just unable to stop them. Really, like we know about Ohio State's defense, but or about their offense, but their defense needs to see a lot of improvement absolutely next up oregon 35 we mentioned this a little bit ohio state 28 your immediate reaction matt green yeah like i said it's just it's the defense like you know there's not going to be any teams on the on ohio state schedule that are that are going to prevent them from scoring points but i i don't think any of us saw oregon coming into the horseshoe and and getting a win so i gotta i gotta get my hats off to oregon because i think like I think when we when we went through this game, you were just like, "Can I just go ahead and take the take the take Ohio State in the points? Mm-hmm. Like it's not even close." And like it was just from the from the jump, like they just looked like the better team the entire game. Like I didn't think there was anything fluky about it. Well, we should make note: their best player didn't even play. Like Kayvon Thibodeau didn't even play in this game. Yeah, and Justin Flo, the big time linebacker. Uh, linebacker as well, like. Those two of the best defensive players on the team, and yeah, Thibodeau's a, a superstar. And so for them to win on the road, like it was a it was a big time statement win for for Oregon. Um, how many yards do you guess the Buckeyes had in this game? Oh, I mean, I think both teams had just over five hundred yards. Yeah, Ducks logged five hundred and five. The Buckeyes, 612. How many times do you lose a football game and you register 612 yards? 
Yeah, that's true. The only, the only time you're gonna do it is if you go ahead and, and give up five hundred yourself. I mean, this is also interesting. Like, it's a, it's so early in the season, but like, it's already a tale of two seasons for the Ducks. Like, we were so unimpressed by them escaping Fresno State a week ago, and we're like, oh yeah, they're they're in trouble, blah blah blah. And then the Pac-12 is just like, oh. Now Oregon's a top five team. The Pac-12 has not had a team in the playoffs since Washington did it in 2016. And now we're like, oh, they just got through their biggest test. And the Pac-12 looks super crappy. USC goes down. Washington is an absolute mess. Like, oh, suddenly the path is very clear and very easy for for the Ducks to to make it into the playoff and break that streak. Like, they went from like, uh, I don't, I don't like this crystal ball situation here and I don't like this quarterback situation. I don't like, I don't, I don't trust this. Ke- Thibodeau's gone. I, the, I'm a little nervous yeah. about where they're you going. Know, I was like as big of a, of a doubter of crystal ball as there is. Like, mm. you know, people constantly trying to tell me that Oregon's a playoff contender every year. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And, you know, you might be seeing it, and it's funny too because there's a there's a Clemson fan in in my uh, in my group thread of, of friends, and like I know he was rooting so hard against Ohio State because you know that kind of we kind of all expect chalk at this point, you know, just from what we've seen in college football in recent years, and with Georgia and Alabama kind of at the top, and then you know probably Oklahoma and Ohio State. So Ohio State losing really opens the door for Clemson to be able to get back in there. But now it's like, well, maybe Oregon just replaced them. Maybe they're now the Pac-12 representative that could could get into the playoffs. So it, it, I'm just, I'm really excited. I feel like it was a great, it was a great Saturday just for like, you know, just the unpredictability of college football seems to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, next up, Matt Green, we got South Carolina twenty, East Carolina East. A lot of people mess up and call them Eastern Carolina. It's not, not Eastern, Eastern Carolina. Carolina. No, it's it's East Carolina. They go down by three. The Gamecocks survive. The Gamecocks are 2-0. and um, Two things can be true here. The Gamecocks are 2-0, and and the Gamecocks are the second worst team in the SEC. Is that fair? Um, I would think so. Just I haven't necessarily made power rankings myself, but off the top of my head, I would think Vanderbilt and South Carolina, they look like the two worst teams in the SEC. Yes. But yeah, like, I mean, going going on the road at East Carolina, don't <laughs> Dowdy Field or something like that. I don't know what it's called, but uh, that that atmosphere was was rocking, and uh, I'm sure Shane Beamer's just glad to get out of there with a win. I mean, I'm sure, but man, it's bad. Like that, that's just. It's amazing how quickly this just fell apart. And, like, this is a team that people thought, like, could win nine games in a normal season in 2020, right? Like, there was a lot of optimism about where this program was um, not too long ago because they were like, oh, Muschamp's recruiting his, yeah, his tail off. That we had some angry yes. some angry fans last offseason were like, three games? This season went three games? You guys are out of your mind. And now we yeah, are it looking. it wasn't even that many. <laughs> <laughs> now three is still just like okay maybe let's just see we get a yeah. time for the gamecocks but you know they escaped they had, a, they had 106 yards rushing oh. on 39 carries like if you can't even push east carolina off the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. like oh man it's gonna be a long sec season for you pittsburgh 41 tennessee 34 i was in attendance for this game as i am every home game but um man uh, i have so many thoughts uh 
my 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 grandfather was texting me throughout he's a former football official and was just like this is the worst career i've ever seen and he doesn't have a a hat in the race he, he's a tech guy and um was watching them and we'll get to Georgia Tech in a little bit but um it's it was bonkers the amount of flags that were thrown in this game this game lasted like four and a half hours like it never ended it went on forever uh pit was um falling over to get breaks so there was a couple of defenders who fell down intentionally remember the auburn guys who used to do this um to get a break i forgot who mm-hmm. it was who did this all the time but auburn i feel like was noted for this in the sec uh during the height of notre dame did if you yes times. notre dame did it right georgia yeah, so but they were doing that a lot in this game. It looked game. like that uh, the defensive end for Tennessee was doing it early in the game, but then he never came back. No, yet. he was legitimately hurt. Yeah. So yeah, it was just it looked kind of like he just sat down. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I just we Milton do goes down. Now. So we should mention Milton goes down. He gets hobbled. He takes a bad hit and he leaves the game. And Hooker comes in. Milton. Okay, so let me just like we know who Joe Milton is now. Like the fact that I've seen enough at Michigan and enough of him here. He is the exact same quarterback he was at Michigan. There has been no quarterback growth from him. Like, he is not growing as a quarterback. He is not evolving. And I was listening on the, the local show, Sports Source, my go-to. I love I love Sports Source on Sunday mornings here in Knoxville on the local channel. Shout out to Sports Source. But uh, they were talking about this, where it's like the playbook completely shifted with Hindenhooker when he came in, where they were like, we're not taking any more downfield shots. And if the run's there, the QB draws there, take it. And Hooker did that, and it, kept, it got us back in the game. And we almost won that game because of that. Hooker was taking zero shots downfield. Zero. Well, yeah, and Milton can move. Like, he's got that, that running ability. He has terrible but, awareness, though. But he has terrible Hooker, pocket yeah, awareness. He seems like a much more explosive runner. Like, he's actually going to make... He had a huge play. run in this game. And that's why he is so frustrating. He had a huge run in this game. and It was gorgeous. But, like, it was, it was not he doesn't do it enough hooker is just so much more of a fluid smart runner and reader of when the line's collapsing around him and things like that yes milton has zero pocket awareness right and it's just so frustrating to watch in person and the crowd is just losing it the crowd cannot handle any more any more joe milton and also he missed multiple open touchdowns in this game he overthrows everything like he overthrows everything his deep ball is one of the strongest deep balls i've ever seen like sam howell is right there like sam had a gorgeous gorgeous bomb here's the difference between sam howell and joe milton matt sam howell hits these (laughs) sam howell when he uh when he unloads like this downfield he hits his guy milton literally never hits anything deep he just it looks looks great he's in a a throwing distance competition every time he just (laughs) right and my broader point the reason i bring that up is because hypel doesn't challenge hooker to do that like if he just asked milton to play like hooker and just do the short stuff and run when he needs to then i think milton would have a better chance of success but because they see his arm and they see the talent there they're like oh he gives us a chance to go deep to callaway or jalen hyatt or whoever or realist jones and then he never hits them. So we're wasting throw after throw because we're like, oh, maybe he'll hit it this time. Guess what? Spoilers. Uh, I'm going to do a spoiler alert here. He's not going to hit any of these. Stop it. He's not hitting any of these. It's like putting Stetson Bennett in a situation where you're like, hey, Stetson, uh, I need you to go deep five times a game. And you're like, he's not hitting any of these. What are we doing? 
He's not hitting hey, you. He was hitting him on Saturday, oh, man. Okay. okay, that's enough. Anyway, <laughs> the mailman, we'll, we'll get to that nonsense and the quarterback controversy that's brewing. It's not me, folks. <laughs> it's not me that's talking, but a lot of people are saying that there is a QB controversy brewing. Um, and would a Heisman quarterback lie on the broadcast? I don't think so. Um, but anyway, Pitt, Kenny Pickett did all he needed to do. Pitt's offense has a much stronger identity and knows exactly who they are. Um their defensive line was really good. Uh, all of Tennessee's running backs got knocked out, so Jabari Small left this game early. So they're down to their third string, Jalen Wright. There was no push. The offensive line was gassed. Tempo doesn't work. Um, defense was gassed. Theo Jackson's a star. That is all I've got. Oh, and the penalties are a joke. The penalties, we had like 13 penalties for like 150 yards. And it was it was a monstrosity. I think Pitt had like another 100 yards in penalties too, or... Seven, nine for 76 so, mm-hmm. yeah there's just so many penalties in this game but yeah so Pitt 30, 41 Tennessee 34 and I don't know so in your opinion Hooker should be the guy moving forward yes but I would also let Bailey get the second half against Tennessee Tech okay I want to say I would give him a half and just to see what you have there I think at some point because Bailey's going to transfer like I think we have to look at it now where you're like you have to get these kids because like Beck should transfer today. I don't know why Carson Beck is still a Georgia Bulldog uh, as of seven thirty-five on Sunday, September twelfth. There's no reason now. Like he should pack his bags, leave. Like it's clearly not happening. This is a joke. I got first team reps all week. Um, I got lied to. Out. But that's the kind of program that's going on in Athens. That's the kind of the that's the kind are of situation. We, are we gonna get into? Are you gonna dance around Georgia? Or are we just gonna? Just, I'm gonna keep dancing around. Too? I'm teasing it because it's not even on our okay. list. They're UAB one, okay. so we'll we'll okay. get to them because the, there there are some stuff there. Um, next up, App State 23, Miami 25. Miami. The highlight of this game is the cat that was saved. Did you see this? <laughs> yes, that was awesome. <laughs> what happened there? I want to know how, yeah, how did it get in the stadium? But how did it specifically get to where it was, like, hanging underneath the second deck or whatever? Like, man, that was insane. Just hearing the crowd just, like, just hanging on every, like, movement from that cat. And then they eventually, I don't know if they caught it with the American flag. But I think they did, yes. Broke its fall. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that was um, that was hilarious. Just hearing the crowd erupt and lift the lift the cat up have it simba moment it was uh that was good stuff especially but yeah the- you know I, I felt like people were overreacting to the you know the week one just being annihilated by alabama but in the nap state you know this could be one of the best one of the top five group of five teams in the country i think you could safely say um so it's not just a a cupcake opponent but you know, if you're if this team is expecting to compete in the ACC, you know you want more than a, a last second win over App State. So so maybe maybe we should be a little more alarmed by Miami's lack of offense. Like Derek King, like he's he's solid for what he is. Like he's you know a really athletic quarterback, but this guy he's just so limited passing that Miami's not going to do any real damage. I don't think in the ACC. I mean for. For what we've seen in two weeks, like it's just hard to know who's good in the ACC. But Miami just doesn't—they don't appear to be a legitimate contender in in the ACC in my book. Absolutely. Um, next up, man, the ACC is just a dumpster fire, <laughs> like just yeah. an absolute dumpster fire. 
Clemson's not making the playoff. Like, I don't know how, with this ACC being this bad and that loss to Georgia, I don't know how they, they find their way in there. Um, Texas. I mean, if they, yeah. if they run the table and they're a one-loss team, though, it's like... Why? This conference is terrible. When are they going to... There's no but statement the when. the has been terrible for a few years. Like, 2018, like, they're... Their schedule was super soft in 2018, but that doesn't mean they still can't be one of the best teams in the country. They came out and blasted Alabama in the national championship. So, like, based on what they did in the regular season, I don't think anyone was would have predicted that. So, like, your schedule, like, it, like, it's important in terms of comparing the teams, but your schedule isn't necessarily who you are, you know? So Clemson can still be one of the top four teams in the country, even if the rest of the ACC is just trash. I just think the problem is if it's any kind of debate, they're just the data points, the the good wins just aren't going to be there, and that's where they're going to lose. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're worse than Oklahoma or they're worse than Ohio State or Oregon or something. Like, they could be better than all those teams. For sure. Um, next up, we've got Texas in a stunner. Texas 21, Arkansas 40. This is the feel-good story of the weekend, right? Like Sam Pittman after the game, uh, leading the Woodpick Suey, and just... Um, I was listening to, on my run today, Saturday Down South, uh, Conor O'Gara, who's talking about Arkansas in this game, and um, I think he made a lot of good points, but, like, this is something that we overlook, is just the culture. Like, you have to look at the culture fit first when hiring a, a coach to lead your program. And the culture fit for Pittman here and how much he loves the hogs and how much those guys clearly love him. Um, it's just, it's a huge win-win. And I think you see that on the field and what you saw on Saturday, they just believed and they're not scared. And like the jokes about Texas, like they're real though. Like I don't, Oklahoma is not going to have a problem in the sec. Oklahoma is going to drub a lot of these programs, um, drub them like drub, drub, mizzou they're gonna drub tennessee they're gonna drub kentucky like that that's gonna happen but will they have some problems against alabama and uh georgia like everybody else does yes do do i believe that they're gonna fall down a peg no texas texas are they five and seven in the sec schedule probably that's it like especially they're in for a rude awakening i think that is not an overreaction based on this game and based on where they're at as a program. I, I don't Without think that's an overreaction. I mean, especially with the Big 12 news of expansion, like the fact that they, are, they already have their teams, like I'd imagine this is probably going to, you know, go into Expedite the timeline, year. yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, if we're making the power rankings on in the SEC right now, like where is Arkansas? Like nine? Yeah. Maybe eight? And if you're getting blasted by Arkansas, like, you know, no shade at Arkansas. Like, I love what Sam Pittman's building here, but, like, they're nowhere close to the top of the SEC. So Texas Mm -hmm. thinks they can just come in and flex their muscles. Like, they're – I can't imagine – I feel like that's what – like just reading into every time they they pan to the the Texas fans in the crowd – it seemed like a an, an existential crisis. Mm-hmm. Just like, are we sure we want to do this? Like the you know the the big wigs at at Texas, like they're cool. They're going to be making some serious money once that SEC money starts coming in. But if you're trying to win some games in the SEC, like I don't know, I don't know what's a realistic expectation for them to be competing in in the sec like if you're if you're losing by four touchdowns to arkansas or three touchdowns to arkansas like and like you said the culture sam Pittman, like 
with Chad Morris, it just seemed like, you know, where do you go? Tulsa after he, uh, was that his first head coaching job? And then it's like Arkansas. No, SMU. Is SMU? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of a step up from SMU. And then I'm sure if he got another gig, like he'd take another step up from there. Like Sam Pittman, this is his destination job. Yeah. Like Arkansas is his dream job. And that's not the case with a lot of guys out there. So I think Sam Pittman is just the perfect fit. I was definitely on this podcast, you know, three or four days ago saying, you know, we all like Sam Pittman, but I think we need to kind of temper our expectations for what Arkansas really is. But, you know, this atmosphere uh, was just great. And just to see Arkansas come out and beat a team like Texas like this, this was a, this was a huge win. Absolutely. And then we should mention Hunted Card was pulled in this game. Casey Thompson got some reps, so we'll have to see who's under center for the Horns next week. But not a good look. Bijan Robinson stuffed by this Barry Odom yeah. defense. And Barry Odom could have finished off yeah. some drives. This game could have gotten a lot uglier too. Like they they were settling for a lot of field goals, but like they were clearly just you know just dominating the possession. They just kind of were were moving the ball much more than Texas was, but. And it, it didn't. I don't even feel like the scoreline necessarily showed how much they were dominating this game through the first like two or three quarters. NC State ten, Mississippi State twenty four. Those early FIPs. Remember that? Remember when people were losing their minds about Mississippi State and those early projections on this Will Rogers, Mike Leach bunch? And the pirate ship is off to a two and zero start. It looks like he's doing the Leach thing where he's just uh, year one was figuring a lot of stuff out and they're just terrible. And then uh, now they're just good. And their defense is legit. Like this is the combination where like Zach Arnett being able to retain him is, is huge because that dude has coached up this defense. This bulldog defense is legit. Um, Devin Leary struggled mightily in this game, putting up 10 points. Get Mississippi State just not going to get it done. Um, this was a huge win for mike leach because i think people are going to overlook this game for him in this program but like nc state's good and they just uh they just buried him without a doubt nc state this is a quality win for sure it's like it's not like uh you know the cachet of a natural of a national brand or anything but they came out and they were just they were just superior all, all over the place and you know you win the turnover battle like this and you know that's what you're gonna get lopsided wins and I don't know about you, like, this was one of those games I was circling. You know, we have, like, I think Missouri, Boston College, I think, is coming up. Like, there was a lot of these good, like, non-conference kind of, you know, your middle of the road, middle upper echelon versus our middle of the upper echelon. Like, there's a lot of good games like this uh, within conferences. And I think, like, I don't want to overreact to just, you know, two weeks, but it feels like the SEC is more head and shoulders above the rest of the conferences than they've ever been. Like with some of these, with some of these uh, results we saw, like for Arkansas to do what they did against Texas and Mississippi State to do this, like if, if Arkansas is the eighth or ninth best team, like is Mississippi State the ninth or tenth best team in this conference? Like in NC State, that's one of the top four or five teams in the ACC. So that's a huge win right there. And I don't know how much you watched of this game um, live. Like, I tried to, like, keep watching this game. It is – I can't imagine how it is to, to play in front of those cowbells. Like, it's, <laughs> it's hard to watch on TV just with how – just the noise, just the constant noise. 
It's like watching the the um, World Cup when it was in South Africa with all the vuvuzelas. Mm-hmm. Like it's just n- nonstop noise. It feels like you're in a the biggest high school stadium you've ever you've ever seen. But um, yeah, you had to be impressed with Mike Leach. Like he doesn't need to run the ball to be able to have success. I think they had about 15 yards rushing in this game. 22, 15 carries for 22 yards. Um, but yeah, Mississippi State. This was a this was a big time win, and it was exactly what they needed after you know a lot of a lot of people questioning them over that that just barely that last second win over Louisiana Tech last week. Kentucky. 35, Mizzou, 28. Um, this one hurt my soul to see what the numbers actually bit out because I did not watch this game. Um, watching the highlights today and different drives and studying the drive charts and stuff like that. Um, Kentucky ran the ball a bunch. The passing game was non-existent. And Liam Cohen can come in, but uh, Mark Stoops, it's it's like the Kirby thing, where there's still only so much you can change. You can bring in a Monk, and you can bring in a Cohen, you can bring in a Drew Brady, but if the, the man in charge is not all the way in on evolving, we'll leave us. Sorry, buddy. No, but see, I don't think that's what it is. I think okay. it's, if, if you can run the ball, you always run the ball. Running mm. the ball is difficult, and it's it's just it's a safer play than passing and if you can actually you know get six and a half seven yards every single time you hand it off why would you do anything different like chris rodriguez was just running all over this team wandell robinson had the the huge run on that first on that opening possession like kentucky still looks dynamic offensively but i think when the run is working you just you don't really need to pass i don't think that means kentucky can't pass i think the that option is still there and and Will Levis, like I like his ability to to make plays with his legs. Like this game, I think looked closer than it than it was. Like it was a great game, but right before the half, just the fourteen point swing of um, I think it was Rodriguez going into the end zone and fumbling, and then Missouri turning right back around and, and getting the touchdown before the half. Like turned a potentially twenty eight to seven halftime lead into a twenty one fourteen halftime lead. So. You know, credit to Missouri for for staying in it. But I told you this was going to be my low key game of the night, and this one definitely, definitely delivered. Like I was, uh, I was really. I you was were really enthralled impressed. by some Tiger Wildcat action on a without a doubt, night. Yeah. man. I mean, I'm just I'm old school, man. You really are. 40 yards on the ground, like Kentucky was pounding that thing. Like people <laughs> get people get confused. They think offense means passing. No, offense means. The offense is accumulating yards. If you're if you're getting 340 yards, I don't care if it's in the air or on the ground. Like that's domination. So they moved the ball at will. Had you know over was it over 500 yards of offense? Like I was very impressed with Kentucky's offense. Like they, I would say I was one of the people out there. You know, um, before the season, you know, everyone saying can can Kentucky challenge Florida and be the second best team in the East? I'm over here like, okay, let's pump the brakes. Like it's still Kentucky. After that performance against Missouri, I think Kentucky could be the second best team in the East. I was I've really been impressed with them through two games. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just depends on what happens with Florida. I mean, Florida is just a we'll get to them an absolute wild card right now. Um, yeah, for sure. Washington 10, speaking of not wild cards, Washington 10, Michigan 31, Michigan wins and covers here. Uh, Cave McNamara is super solid. The, like, what I'm watching with Michigan is like, 
they have a really high floor and a low ceiling. Like this group, and Cade is not the kind of quarterback that's going to beat Iowa or Penn State or Ohio State, maybe not even Wisconsin. Like he's he's fine. Like he's fine for what he is. He's not going to cost Michigan any games, but the upside's not there. He's not a J.J. McCarthy sitting behind him. So it's fine for right now. They're back. They really just needed a bridge guy to – get that bad taste out of their mouths from last year because Michigan's season last year was, was brutal and we didn't know if Harbaugh and this staff was going to be back. Um, but they take care of business here on primetime. Washington, the stats offensively are bonkers. Um, John Donovan's the worst offensive coordinator of any Power 5 school. This he, offense looked bad. Like, this is uh, Scott Loeffler on steroids type stuff. Do you remember the the Loeffler offense with Auburn and Jeremiah Johnson that got Gene Chizik oh, fired, okay. basically? That is what he is doing. Like he's Gene Chizik got Gene Chizik fired. Well, what? No, Gene, Gene Chizik not having Cam Newton on his team got him fired. I still maintain Chizik doesn't get fired if he if Malzahn never leaves. Like if Malzahn just stays, like he's probably fine. Um, that could be true, but that means that means Chizik was never that good to begin with. I agree, hundred percent. Like we see that with a lot of coaches, though. Like your a lot of coaches are only as good as their coordinators. Like Sam Pittman's not a good coach without Barry Odom. Like Barry Odom is keeping him, him and Kendall Bryles are propping up everything like that. Those two coordinator hires are gigantic, gigantic. And then paying Barry Odom to keep him on staff this year was huge. Like they paid him a lot of money to stay it's on hard staff. To say he's not a good coach, though. I mean, that is part of his. Well, job. what I'm saying that's what I, like that's what I'm saying is like good coaches. Like Mac Brown does a great job as a CEO coach. Like there's a lot of coaches that need to be able to hire well and all that kind of stuff to outweigh what they bring to the table with x's and O's stuff like he's just not an x's and O's guy mac brown is the epitome of the ceo type right. thing because i don't know like i didn't watch you know i don't even know who they played yesterday if i'm being honest who north carolina so watching, uh yeah I, I know they obviously lost to virginia tech in the opener but like every time they pan to him he's never talking to anybody like mm. i don't know what mac brown does on the sideline like he's just He's got the headset on. I guess he's just listening to what everyone else is talking about. But I don't ever see him talking to his players, talking on the headset. Like it's just hilarious every time they show him. He's just kind of he's just kind of standing there. Like yeah, you guys. He's you guys the CEO. Like he's he's there to hype everybody up. He's not there to to coach. Like that's not his. I mean, I shouldn't say coach. He's not scheming up stuff. He's not getting in Phil's way on offense. He's not getting in the. I forget the. I always forget the defensive coordinator's name for in UNC because he came from Army. He's the Army guy. Whatever. Um, he lets them do their own thing. So we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, they beat Georgia State, by the way, and beat them big. No, I know they beat Georgia State because you know what happened in the beginning of that game. Uh, what's that? Did you see Sean Elliott, the Panthers head coach? Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> Go, getting all mosh pit with his players, ripping one of their helmets off. I'm swinging. Like if what my I'm swinging. That? Like, dude, relax. It's ridiculous. You lost by like 48, and you, like what? What are you doing? Also, just coaches, Maybe stop doing this. Enough. Stop doing this. Stop smacking your players and ripping their helmet. Like, what are you doing? It's just weird. Weird behavior. Yeah, if he's not ready to play <laughs> on the field, game countdown, like, you you shoving him in the face yeah. and knocking his helmet off isn't going to get him more ready. San Diego State, 38. Arizona, 14. Arizona, I think, is the worst team in the Pac-12 this year, and it's not particularly close. What about you, Matt? Yeah, they're just they're just bad. That's why, like, I didn't I didn't know much about Arizona uh, or about San Diego State when making this pick. But I'm just like, they're a quality like group of five program. Arizona's just just plain bad. 
yeah, there's just all this stuff with like Jed Fish. Oh, he's got the he's got the Patriots background, and uh, Teddy Bruschi likes him, and then he made some good coordinators. You know who wouldn't be this bad? Bohannon at San Jose State because he's actually been a head coach and he's done great at a program that was in the depths of hell and it came down to a coach who may not recruit well as well or have the NFL ties that Fish has but guess what Bohannon wins games and the end goal is to get Arizona back to respectability because it's almost impossible to get Arizona to respectability because they're one of the worst college football power five programs of all time like it's hard as hell to win in Arizona Jed Fish is not that guy they're getting I, I just it's not gonna get any easier they got NAU at home they should win that one but look at after this there's not another win on this schedule I kid you not they are going 1-11 you got at Oregon next the week after that UCLA at Colorado who almost beat A&M this weekend Washington at home even as bad as Washington is they're not losing that game at USC Cal Utah at Pullman for the Cougs and then at Arizona State then like they're winning one game like this is atrocious anyway I just had to rant about that because I hate when programs do this and they hype it all up with all the backgrounds and the CEO style and the recruiting is going to be and we're going to update this. We're going to update oh, that. Oh, it's from the Patriots. So is, is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick coming? Yeah, like what? Now? Like what? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Last game before we do the the rapid fire for the rest of the weekend. Uh, Utah seventeen, BYU twenty six. I'm telling you that Big Twelve announcement. They were ready to go to end that streak against Utah. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, I was. Um... Less than impressed with Charlie Brewer in this one. I'm not I've heard this great, before. <laughs> not feeling great, although with USC, I feel I felt a little bit better about my Pac-12 South pick uh, of Utah. But you know, I guess this didn't count towards their Pac-12 record, so they they still can win the Pac-12 South. But uh, yeah, after nine straight wins, uh, that streak had to come to an end at some point. So kudos to BYU for for getting the win in the Holy War. Jaron Hall's going to be a dude. Very different player than Zach Wilson, but uh, he's going to be a dude. BYU's in for for a good year. I don't think this bounce back season without Wilson is going to be as difficult as many had may have expected. Yeah, Wilson can make some plays with his legs, but but Jaron Hall is a legit running threat. We're going to pause real quick for a message from our sponsors, Matt Green, but we'll be right back. All right, we are back on the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Sunday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where we talk college football, recapping what happened on Saturday with my good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Go Nighthawks. Um, Navy, rocking the, the Marine look on Saturday. Shout out to them. Dad, tired. Marine, coming from a Marine-heavy family, Navy-heavy family, but also Army-heavy family, uh, just mostly military in this family. So that was cool to see. But they have been atrocious, and Navy actually fired their long-time assistant. This guy goes back to Paul Johnson days at Georgia Southern, a triple option legend. Um, Navy can Naya Tumloka. Okay, Naya Tumloka. How do you pronounce this dude's name? I'll never get it right. Naya, what is it? You got it. Naya. Naya Tumloka. Naya Tumloka. Not going to work here anymore. <laughs> well, no, he's the head coach. He's fine. Like, but this is a last-ditch effort. The office space. Yeah, <laughs> it was there. I had to take it. Um, but yeah, they're off to an zero two start, and uh, they like after the game, immediately gone, um, losing in really rough fashion on CBS primetime against uh, the Air Force Falcons. Do they have uh, Gary Danielson 
Brad Nestler for this one? No, they were busy prepping for Carson Strong in Nevada, San Diego State on CBS primetime for the following. No, I'm just kidding. Do you remember that? That was a great what 2020 of all the weird pandemic stuff um, in the college football season. Danielson and Nestler calling Nevada and San Diego State as the primetime SEC kickoff game at 3:30 last year is one of the the all-time best weird situations of like this CBS is does seem to get that kind of one weird game a year mm-hmm. like it's usually i mean not army navy is like a weird game but it's like that's like the one game where like you guys don't know about these teams like y'all are watching the sec every week like you don't you don't know what you're talking about absolutely um mark rick back to uga for the game against mizzou he's getting honored uh, i think it's november 6th yeah, without a doubt. It's um, I, I like to see Mark Rick getting the respect he deserves. He, um, I think a lot of people kind of focus on what Mark Rick wasn't and not enough on what he was, that Georgia was nowhere close to being a team that could legitimately expect national championships before Mark Rick got there. And he turned Georgia into like a perennial top 10 program. So like the only reason... 10 and three wasn't good enough was because Mark Rick, you know, became a victim of his own success. And so I'm glad for people, I mean, won nearly 75% of his games, essentially like his average season at Georgia was 10 and three. So there's about 90, 95% of the programs in college football that would kill for that for a 15 year period. So, you know, glad to see Mark Rick get the respect he deserves. All right. Well, let's do our headline story of the weekend. Matt, if you had to come up with a front page headline of your college football newspaper, what would the headline be for week two in the college football season? Oh, it might not be creative because we've said this before. Like we say it basically every year. I just feel like it's more true than it's ever been. It's just the SEC is the cream of the crop, man. Like Mm. it's just it's becoming like just so clear how much better it is than every other conference man yeah i think as a whole they're the deepest it's just really really deep um that's the main thing right now they're a deep conference but um i don't know i still think the top of the the cream of the crop in the other power five schools um they're right there the the best of the best but the that's only about difference it. is there's like one team right it's every, one to two to three maybe that can yeah. compete for a title but like there could be four or five teams in the SEC any given year that can, you know, be that's, one of the best. That's teams being a little generous. Four or five that win a title. I mean, it turns. You can't even do that right now. You can't do three right now. I mean, that's debatable. Who are your three? Bama I mean, and who? Texas A and M obviously. And they the almost lost to Colorado. But they, I mean, they finished fifth last year, though. So they're like you're clearly a contender if you're finishing fifth. Like, and then LSU is is middle of the pack right now they won they were like the greatest team at sec in like college football history two years ago so i'm like like maybe not every year that there's five teams but it's like there's a group of four or five teams at the top that any given year they can be a contender like and just the rest of the country just doesn't have that like for for you know florida like they we we've questioned how good they look so far but like florida is they're the, the they're probably the second best team in like any other Power Five conference. Like I just think the SEC is just that strong. Like Ole Miss, like if Ole Miss is in the Big Twelve right now, like they might be the best team in the conference. Like I just think the SEC is just they've just been flexing their muscles through two weeks of the season. That that's just how 
like maybe there's not five teams this year that can that can win a national championship, but the SEC is just by far the best conference in the country. Mm. All right. Well, let's do our add a sticker, remove a sticker, Matt Green. For me, I'm adding a sticker to the FSU radio commentator who threw his headset in disgust after explaining how Florida State should not have been in the the defensive uh, scheme that they were in, playing press coverage and no one over the top and not playing prevent defense um, in that moment and um, losing the game in unbelievably heartbreaking fashion where Florida State fell to FCS Jacksonville State for their first ever loss to an FCS school in program history. Um, there was a piece on Knowles 24-7 today where someone uh, quoted uh, program killer in the piece losing that game. Like, that's a program killer. And I'm just like, oh, oh. Woo. It's hard It's hard to say it's a program killer. Like It's certainly a momentum killer for any it's goodwill. It's definitely a momentum killer, especially with how, like, the, the moral victory of week one and Mackenzie Milton getting in there versus Notre Dame and making that game close, like – the people talking about just the the crowd at, at dope campbell was back and it was an electric atmosphere like people are buying in they're excited again and then to just follow it up with a 17 point performance versus jacksonville state like a a 17 14 win versus jacksonville state was would already have been like uninspiring but for it to end on not even a hail mary whatever you want to call it just that that last deep ball uh, for a touchdown, like that, that's probably like Arkansas was kind of the story of the weekend, but I mean, that's the moment of the college football season so far, like that Jacksonville state last second win, like that was just, that's what we watch college football for. Like that was just, that was incredible. Um, remove a sticker, the ACC officials in the pit Tennessee game as we talked about earlier on the pod, I'm removing, removing one. I hope we never get that crew ever again. Like that crew should not call it a college football game ever again. I just atrocious across the board. It was, Oh, it was so bad. And they removed my, my return six from the record books, which sad, but I will always have that memory of it happening in Neyland. And, uh, that's all that matters. Leave the memories alone. Another ad for me, Jordan Yates, who stepped in for Jeff Sims because he's out and, uh, they drub, Kennesaw State, the Yellow Jackets get a win to get back to one and one. Yates looked good. I don't know if you watched any of the tape from that game, but um, I think he might be the the guy going forward for the Jackets. And then remove one for Kirby Smart for giving Carson Beck all the first reps this week, leading everyone to believe that it was going to be Carson Beck's opportunity on Saturday, and then pulling out the rug from his four-star quarterback um, for doing everything right for the experience, as he said, because <laughs> you needed ex- everything, right. because you needed experience, as he said, to beat. Let me check my notes here. The UAB Blazers, who did not have a football program mere two years ago, what was it three years ago? Maybe um, that they had to reinstate, you know, Bill Clark, great program leader, great coach. Um, they were never going to lose this game. And there was no reason that Carson Beck should not have started. Uh, the game was never in doubt. And to not see what you have and to just give it to Sitsa Bennett, who we've all known what you've had, which is nothing um, for a long time. I mean, that's certainly a choice. It is nothing. He, he threw for 300 yards and five touchdowns yeah. on Saturday. But there's no upside. There's no upside to playing Stetson. Like, there, you know what he is. He can't win the big games. He's going to run into problems against the teams that matter. You don't know with Carson Beck yet. You don't know with Brock Vandegrift yet. Like. But- is that's not Kirby's job. No, it Kirby's- is because he doesn't deserve. There was some on uh, Split Zone Duo today. 
a very good college football podcast, Alex Kirshner made this point, and I agree with it, which is Kirby does not deserve the benefit of the doubt with veteran quarterbacks anymore. Like, that is something he does not deserve. It's over. You don't get that. You had your shot. Like, I can understand that it's more complicated and it requires a lot more nuance with Fromm and Fields, but we've seen that with Stetson last year. We've seen that with how he's managed his quarterbacks to this point where Kirby Smart does not deserve the benefit of the doubt with quarterbacks. He does not. Now... This is a weird... All right, keep going. Stetson Bennett, you know what you have. You can trust Stetson Bennett. You are going to win this game. If it gets in a... Like, if Carson really struggles, if Carson's bad, and you're up 21-7 to or something at halftime, and then Georgia fans are like, okay, put in Stetson to just let us breathe. That was We tried it with Carson. He had a shot. He played with the first team, whatever. It didn't really work. Okay, we're going to go back to the guy who we know has a very high floor but a very low ceiling and has been in this program for 97 years. He's five foot six, like Stetson Bennett. Yeah, sure. Put him in there to close the game out. Great. Fan favorite. All that's great. Carson Beck. He is not a fan favorite, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you heard, yeah, but he's called the mailman. Was, they announced he was going to be the starter on the PA. Oh yeah. He did like, get booed. That's true. He did get booed. Fans booed him. So he's not even like, he should be a feel good story. Well, that's like, what I meant. It's not fan favorite. I should say feel good story that the dude just keeps trying. He like, He's just the, I don't know. He's just the, the I don't know how to explain him. If he's I, not fit, I strongly disagree with the point. All right, make the case. Why Carson would you give Carson Beck, Beck first team reps? Well, because he probably wanted Carson Beck. And honestly, Carson Beck needs the reps more than Stetson Bennett because mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett had an entire year starting. And also, Stetson Bennett played against an all-SEC schedule last year, too. Like, he didn't get the benefit of any of these cupcake games. Not that UAB's your typical cupcake, but... I don't know how a guy can be a failure when the quarterback he decided on was unbelievably efficient and not only just efficient, but hitting deep balls. Like he was Mm -hmm. hitting all of his deep balls. Like Carson Beck was in on the third series of the game. Like these guys are both backup quarterbacks and you went with the one that had more experience, which was wrong. How can it be wrong when you won 56 to seven? Because the whole point, it's not about the victory. You were going to win. It's not about the end result because Georgia was always going to win this game. The end result does not matter. What matters is seeing what you have in Carson and keeping these guys happy. Because guess what? In the transfer portal era, you have to... Like, Tennessee's about to run into this problem with Harrison Bailey. Where, like, they're going to have to give him reps. They're going to have to or he's going to transfer. Like, Brian Maurer finally lost out and he transferred. Like, you with no penalty in this situation and how Georgia quarterbacks look at the past and, like, how he handled fields and how he's handled Stetson and how he's handled guys before him... Quarterbacks are like, he seems to have a weird veteran presence. So if you're a quarterback like Brock Vandergriff or you're somebody like that and you're looking at it and you're like, "Uh, am I going to get a shot or is he going to go in the portal for another junior or senior? Is he always going to look for the older guys and not trust the young freshmen and sophomores? Is he just not, that's not his MO. Is Kirby just not going to trust these guys? He started Jacob Easton as a true freshman. He started Jake Fromm as soon as Easton. He didn't want to start Fromm. But that's because Jacob Eason was a returning starter as a mm-hmm. highly talented He didn't have to make that choice, though. He was a returning player. starter, and he didn't recruit Eason. He did recruit Eason. I mean, he, like... He Eason kept committed. Eason. Yeah, he, Eason committed to Ricked. Uh, Rick, but he had to he had to solidify his commitment. Right. Like, Eason kind of started looking around once they fired Rick, but Eason, like, he did go with Grayson Lambert, the guy that was the starter veteran, but he made the decision pretty early on to, to go to Eason. Carson Beck isn't Justin Fields. We don't know. Because you won't play him. This was an opportunity for you to know what you have. Like, to see something. Carson Beck got a lot of 
possessions in this no, game. No, 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 no. You give him all the confidence in the world. You let him lead this team out. You start from the gate. No. And if he gets hurt, like, that's what you do. You give him everything. If Carson... Stetson Carson Bennett should transfer today. He's better than Carson Beck right now. If, if, Stets, if, this, if this one game makes Carson Beck want to transfer, then he's not the caliber of quarterback that belong that was going to start at Georgia anyway. Like You know what I think? It sounds like he's ready for orange and white. You know who wouldn't put up with this mess? The orange and white. If he goes three yeah, hours go north. Go for it. If that's, if that's really what's going to – like Brock Vandegrift, like if he's in his second year in the system and you're going Stetson Bennett, honestly, I don't even agree, agree with your premise because if Stetson Bennett comes out here – and plays this well, then clearly the coach made the right decision. No, like, because you already know he is a last resort. Stetson is a last. He's not. He's a second resort. No, like, he's the backup quarterback, and he's like if. if but he shouldn't. Their second or third quarterback, they're not winning the championship anyway. Obviously, the whole. Well, we don't know. No, you know, you can't say that because we don't know. A team has won a national title with a freshman quarterback. Like that's happened. Trevor Lawrence went and did that. Like as a freshman. Like that's as the number one overall player. In I'm the not country. disagreeing with that, but what I'm saying is the broader point is you have to massage the four and five stars. Like you have already screwed up one five star. You have another one in here. You have another one coming in next year. Kirby has to start giving the young guys Bryce Young right away. First like, of all, saying Kirby screwed up the Justin Fields. I don't want to go down that road. What I'm saying is ultimately, I'm saying yeah. if if this is if if Carson Beck is rattled and unhappy by this situation, then he's mentally weak and he has no oh. business playing at Georgia to mm. begin with. I'm not saying he's mentally weak, but I'm saying if your premise is true and Kirby has to massage his ego and stuff like yes that. he does but you have to he massage no all the four and five stars egos that's part of the no, job now is what i'm saying Kirby smart has to win games and he has to put the best player to do on both. the field regardless no you have These to do guys both. Are both backups he stetson bennett came in first two possessions of the game hit deep balls for like 70 yard touchdowns like even rg3 was saying why are we taking out stetson bennett with how he's playing and it's because Kirby clearly had a plan to play multiple backup quarterbacks. And Carson Beck came in the game and didn't play nearly as well as Stetson I wouldn't Bennett. have either because the I didn't start after getting all this. It was probably in his head. Oh, yeah. And you're not, you don't have the mental fortitude to play quarterback at the D1 level. Like, I disagree. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. I heard like multiple Georgia fans saying this, that like, oh, this makes Kirby look bad. They cursed Carson Beck was number one and taking all the first team reps yeah. in practice all week it's like maybe he was taking the first team practice uh first team reps and he wasn't playing well in practice maybe that's what was so but the whole point is you want to see what you have on the field before he transfers and now carson should transfer he did. He, no no yeah, no, no, no. i'm saying a full game well. where they tell him they're like stetson's not coming in barring injury this is your yeah. game go impress that's ridiculous stetson Bennett went out 10 for 12 for almost 300 yards mm -hmm. and five touchdowns. You're no, missing my broader point. Stetson played well, but it doesn't matter. You don't need to see anything in also, Stetson Bennett. Also, Carson Beck is responsible for more points scored than Georgia's entire defense this year. Like, Carson Beck made a terrible throw on that pick six. The running back wasn't even looking, mm -hmm. and he made zero effort to make the tackle. Like, Carson Beck, like, Kirby Smart owes nothing to Carson Beck. Like, Carson See, that's Beck. the that's not how you, you cannot have that mindset with five and four stars anymore. You cannot have that. They she will transfer. Ranked recruit come out of high school. Like who who cares? I'm telling you, this is a bat. Like that's not how this works. It's not how this I works. I think your premise carries more weight if if we're talking about a redshirt freshman 
Car- uh, Brock Vandegrift, like a top 10 overall player that we want to see develop. But like Stetson Bennett has developed a whole hell of a lot over the last year. Does that not matter? No. Like, how? Like Georgia just – all Georgia wants is to get top-level play out of every position on the field. I think I think this was a huge performance from Kirby Smart with how negative things were like, oh, this offense – looks terrible yeah the defense is great but this offense is still same old georgia like oh and jt daniels is out now like the the spread on this game was at damn like 21 points by the time kickoff started like people are talking about uab is one of the best group of five teams in the country and georgia came out and made them look like a high school team like they they didn't even belong on the same field with georgia so people acting like oh expect a lull after the clemson game and for georgia to come out and hang 50 on UAB in an uncompetitive game. Like, from the jump, this is 35 zip at halftime. Like, I think Kirby deserves, like, this shows you the difference in what Georgia is now than once they what they once were. Like, UAB is not a measuring stick game for Georgia. But I saw Georgia play games like this for decades where you look over at Ohio State playing, you know, Toledo, and they're beating them 50 to 7, and you're like, oh, that doesn't mean anything because the competition or whatever. But Georgia would have these same games against these same inferior teams, and they would just mess around with them and beat them 27 to 10 and just not beat them in convincing fashion. Like, this defense came out with the exact same level of intensity that they did against Clemson. Like, the offense came out hitting deep balls, like scoring 80-yard touchdowns. Like, I don't know how anyone could take anything negative for Georgia in this game. Like... Stetson Bennett to have the performance he did like the the backup quarterback is especially if JT Daniels is going to be battling an oblique injury like the backup quarterback is a very important position for Georgia and if Stetson Bennett is going to give you this kind of performance he he's the backup like I don't understand how you can how it can be misconstrued any other way like Carson Beck didn't look nearly as good as Stetson Bennett in this game like you just want Kirby Smart to play a player who's not as good? Like, Kirby's worried about winning the game today. Like, that's all he should be worried about. So we agree. Kirby made an errant judgment this weekend. Get out of here. I just feel like the goalpost is constantly moving for Kirby Smart. Like, the the Justin Fields thing... Wait, I have a question. ...constantly gets thrown back in his face, and it's like, to compare this in any way to Justin Fields, like, it's just weird. Like, these are both backup quarterbacks, and Stetson Bennett looked a hundred times better than Carson Beck in this game. Like, you're you're just gonna play a guy who's who you you don't think is as good because he might be better in the future. Like, that's that's crazy. How long have you been on Kirby's payroll? <laughs> I'm not on Kirby's payroll, man. I've just mm-hmm. seen a lot of Georgia football, and mm-hmm. I just know Kirby is doing it the best of anyone I've ever seen coach Georgia football. Mm. Um. Last last thing, you're removing a sticker from somebody else. I seem to recall. I am removing a sticker because, like, I think we don't even have to get into the whole thing. I'm adding the sticker to Stetson Bennett because I'm not. I can't played. do this. You're because breaking of up. the way you played against or with with the fans not even wanting to see him play. Like fans is like put some respect on Stetson Bennett's name. Um, the helmet sticker I am taking away from a different head coach, and that's going to be Clay Helton. We talked about USC being the favorite in the Pac-12 South. Like, this schedule is just... They they seem to miss most of the, the good teams in the Pac-12. 
Like this schedule was just kind of tailor made for them to to take the South this year, and to come out and just get blasted. Like they made it, you know, look a little closer there at the end. But to come out and get blasted uh, against Stanford the way they did, like Clay Helton, are we gonna like, are we gonna continue this all the way to December, or are we just gonna cut ties now? Like he's obviously getting fired. He's obviously not the guy for the job. Like. Someone, someone can return USC to glory, and Clay Helton is not the guy. Mm. Matt Green, that is all I've got, sir. Fun weekend, fun weekend, week two. Excited so, for week three. Um, I am excited for week three. Last thing we didn't really touch on Florida. Oh yeah. Is do you think Anthony Richardson? I think honestly, it's so obvious that Anthony Richardson is is the guy for Florida. It feels like. None, no, none of us expect Florida to come out and, and beat Alabama. Like, no, it's in the swamp and everything. Like, yeah, rowdy environment. Like, they had that going for them. But no one is expecting Florida to beat Alabama. Mm. I feel like Emory Jones is going to be treated like the sacrificial lamb. Mm. Go out, go out in the first half. Go get blasted by Alabama for two quarters. Then we we throw Anthony Richardson in there, and then he's the guy moving forward. Like, we already know Emory Jones isn't the guy. So let's not ruin Anthony Richardson's confidence. Let's just go. Let's go feed Emory Jones to the Wolves, and then when the games, by the time the game is decided, let's get Richardson some reps, and then he's going to be the guy moving forward. I think it's I think it's fairly obvious just how much more dynamic of a player he is than Emory Jones. We'll see. We'll see. But it has not been the best best start for Emory Jones down there in Gainesville, and Richardson does the. The big time stuff on his legs. It's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, especially if Emory Jones is supposed to be the runner. Like, well, no, he's more of a pocket guy. Like Emory Jones has a cannon. I don't know. It's kind of interesting how <laughs> Florida and Tennessee's quarterback situations is almost identical at the moment. Uh, yeah, it really does. As Zeus is like, Matt, feed me, feed me. I'm a gigantic rot wheel. Rot this is like it's ball game. <laughs> finish this stuff up. All right, Matt Green. We can find you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase Demel underscore Thomas. This episode of the podcast will roll along with some more guests, so stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, two episodes a week during the college football season. So look out for that uh, on your feed twice a week. Um, don't forget, folks. You can also yeah, this is gonna be great. You can keep up. With all of us at ChaseThomasPodcast.com, SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com, a ton of other great podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. So go to BlueWirePods.com today to check out all of those great content shows that we have for you. And uh, yeah, leave us a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts if you have not already. Matt Green, I will talk to you in a couple days. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.